and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. We're your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. It's the holidays, and especially in this time of year, many of us are considering adopting a pet. I'm all for it, as I myself walked into a pet shelter some 10 years ago and came home that evening with Timber, a Belgian Shepherd Black Lab wolf mix, which has been a life-changing experience for both of us. What to consider when adopting a pet and most important questions, some tips for what can and most likely will be a wonderful journey for all parts and paws involved that's our topic on this week's episode, Pet Adoption from Homelessness to Happiness. I'm excited to talk about the process of adopting a pet because I have a couple of friends who recently got engaged. And the way he proposed to her was by tying the engagement ring onto a collar of a new puppy. And they Aww. both, they've been living together for a long time and they both really wanted a puppy. And this was just a total success. She said yes. She wanted the puppy. She wanted the puppy. He's still waiting on his answer, but she said yes to the puppy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it worked out beautifully as much as, you know, exactly as you would want it to. But I also know that giving a pet as a gift is sometimes a little bit tricky. People caution against it because the recipient might not always be prepared to take care of the animal. So I want to explore that with our guest today. Like that is a really important thing to consider this time of year when you talk about pet adoption. That's what happened when I gifted Mark that turtle, right, Mark? Mm -hmm. She's still in your backyard. But I moved. No, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. This is 100% a joke. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, yes, he's still in my backyard. I remember when my daughters were growing up, we used to foster kittens and we brought them into our house to socialize them before because they would come from the adoption place, Pets Lifeline. And they would just be these little balls of energy that would be bouncing around our bathroom for several weeks before we returned them to be Your adopted. Your daughters and the kittens. Yeah, the balls, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I remember when I was being part of that, it's like, um, I thought they were cute, but they didn't really, they didn't really move me in, in that big of a way. And then we got another, we got another batch. And then the girls said, can we keep these? Right. And then it was, we want these two. And I really think that there's something about being around the animals oh, yeah. that allows you to complete, to understand how that relationship starts and why that animal's the one. Yeah, I, I actually think, and I'm really convinced of that, um, that the animal picks us. When I walked into that shelter, ending up with Timber, that he was waiting for me. It was too completely clear that I didn't need to look. He was already waiting for me. He had it's a clipboard. Like, he already had your yeah, yeah, information yeah. filled he out. He had your yeah. photo. Yeah. So it's actually a show on human adoption by pets. <laughs> <laughs> pets, listen up. Yes, wonderful. Thank you, Mark. You are listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we are bringing you yet another slice of joy after a great show on pie-making followed by the gift of yourself in our volunteering show. This week's Slice of Joy is about pet adoption from homelessness to happiness today and only here on An Organic Conversation. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. 
That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. The Farmer Veteran Coalition is a nonprofit organization dedicated to provide veterans with resources, education, and technical assistance to prepare them to become successful farmers. After serving their country, many veterans are interested in working with the land but do not have a background in farming or ranching. Help the Farmer Veteran Coalition to assist veterans in starting a new career in sustainable agriculture. For more information, please visit farmvetco.org. That's farmvetco.org. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic today is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. Ten years ago, I walked into the Marin Humane Society in Novato, California, on the spur of the moment, and met Timber, a Belgian shepherd, black lab wolf mix, who had just arrived from a kill shelter somewhere else in the country. At nine or ten months of age, life was written all over his mangled body. I took him outside in the fenced yard and threw a tennis ball, only to find him prancing deer-like in utter happiness after the ball, closing his last jump with a kind of stump push forward towards the ball. He has not left my side since then, and he has changed my life in more ways than I can explain. Animal companions, whatever they may be, four-legged, two-legged, huffed, with beaks or with fins, are for many of us one of the most important relationships we have, true family, really. And this is the time of holidays when loneliness or an exceptionally open heart or both get us to think about our animal friends. The topic today is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. And with us on the show today is Tema Martin, the public relations specialist at the Best Friends Animal Society, calling in from Kebab, Utah. Tema, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, wonderful. Um, I spoke with you before the show, and your love for what you do is so clear and came through so obviously. Let's start with you and, and what you do. You work with the Best Friends Animal Society. What is your mission, and how did you personally get involved in this work? Well, personally, I've been, I started in 1993 at, I actually live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Kanab is in southern Utah, and that's where our sanctuary is. Um, I started in Salt Lake City um, almost 20 years ago as the education director for our Humane Society here and have been doing this ever since um, in one form or another. And I had, as a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian and then discovered that I wasn't all that good at math. <laughs> so <laughs> I took a different path. And it's, I've, I've been so fortunate to be able to combine my love for animals with, you know, my career in helping to save them in this way. 
So I work from Salt Lake City. Um, our, like I mentioned, our sanctuary is down in southern Utah. It's a beautiful, it looks like a national park. It's, it's got all the features of gorgeous southern Utah. The sanctuary is on 3,700 acres um, where we have all of our, our animals, about 1,700 animals at any given time. And then it's surrounded by an additional 30,000 acres that are, that's BLM land. So it's basically a wildlife sanctuary around the animal sanctuary. And BLM is Bureau of Land Management, of course. Uh-huh. 3,700 acres. It's really much more than a shelter. It's a true sanctuary. You have animals who will die there, who can enjoy the last months or weeks or years of their life because you will not take any animal down. Exactly. Um, and it's far beyond dogs and cats. Can you describe the clients you work with? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, we are the nation's largest no-kill animal sanctuary. And so uh, the animals, for the most part, other than a couple of the dogs that we got from the Michael Vick case that are court-ordered to stay there for the rest of their lives, um, the animals are all available for adoption no matter their age or, or health. If somebody wants to take in a special needs animal, we're always happy to send those home. Many other animals come in and they are ready to be adopted pretty quickly and, and there's quite a, a turnover. But we take in, the majority of them are dogs and cats, of course, because those are the ones that are there are the most of nationally without homes. But we also have rabbits and sheep and goats and horses and pigs and birds and we help all a whole variety of animals that need need to be cared for and come to our sanctuary. Tema, um, when you're a couple things you brought up is one um, that you know that the most of the animals are dogs and cats, even though there's quite a few other different species that you bring in. What kind of numbers are we talking about throughout the United States? And can you go into a little bit more depth on no kill? Absolutely, best friends animal societies. Uh, mission is to bring about a day when there are no more homeless pets. So what we're trying to do um, through our programs that are, are actually present throughout the country, we work with shelters and rescue groups all over the nation to try to help achieve this. And what we're trying to do is decrease the number of animals going into shelters through discounted or, or uh, free spay-neuter programs to reduce the number of animals in the community that might end up in the shelter and then through all different types of adoption promotions and helping people to better be prepared for a pet so they can keep it for life. We're trying to keep animals from going into the shelters and then through adoption trying to get the largest number of animals out of the shelters alive. And it's really education, right, on all ends. I don't know what the percentages of animals that actually are being adopted and then still being brought back. But before that decision is being made, and we will talk about that a little bit later on the show, uh, what people need to consider before they adopt an animal, and of course, the difference between adopting and buying from from a breeder. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to better answer Mark's question, um, Nobody knows exactly how many animals are homeless because there's not any organization that tracks all those numbers, but an estimate might be that there are about 8 million homeless animals that are in shelters and about 4 to 5 million a year that are not adopted, that are euthanized. So, And people in the no-kill movement have estimated that if, if there are, say, 5 million animals that are not being adopted at this time and are being euthanized, that if only one in four people who gets a new pet each year chose to adopt versus buy, that that we could solve the problem. So it it is definitely doable that 
you know, all these organizations working together to bring about a no-kill nation, that, that we may be able to see that if we can get, you know, just a, a fraction of the people to make a different choice when they acquire a new pet. And so what sort of difference have you made? I mean, what were numbers uh, before you started this, you know, this uh, quest to create a no-kill uh, environment, you know, let's say 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and what are they now? Well, Best Friends started um, in the 80s, and so just as a benchmark there, it was estimated that about 17 million animals were killed every year in shelters then. So it's gotten quite a bit better. The whole, you know, everybody's perception of pets has changed somewhat. Um, People are a lot more open to spaying and neutering. People are more open to adopting. And so it's, you know, if, if it's come down from 17 million to 4 or 5 million, since the 80s, we're, we're wow. definitely on track to that is, really get there. Which that is, is a huge number, though, from 17 million to four and a half or four to five. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, um, still, it's still a big number, but of it's, course. It's, a, it's, you know, so... On the um, right path. You know, we're, we're so pleased that progress has been made. And, and it feels like with people's attitudes about making, you know, being more socially conscious and, you know, as more people understand really the difference the huge world of difference between choosing to adopt or acquiring a pet from another source, you know, I, I think we can get there. We all we all are in this movement because we believe we can accomplish this. Yes, we do. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic today is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. And we have Tema Martin with us. She's the public relations specialist for Best Friends Animal Society, the largest animal sanctuary in the country, who's joining us today from Kebab, Utah. Thank you for that overview, Tema. We do want to get into shedding light on buying versus adopting. Yeah, I know that um, I think in 2007, when the U.S. Census came out, they said that 60% of all American homes have pets now. But as you said, only one in four are adopted. Most pets are being purchased. This is a huge, huge business. Can you shed some light on just how big it is and also what are the pros and cons of pet buying in the U.S.? Sure. So some statistics that I found indicate that about there are about 78 million dogs and 86 million cats that are owned in the United States. And the majority of pets are actually obtained from acquaintances or family members. So it's the, oh, I had an accidental litter. Can you, you know, the neighbor or the coworker, can you, you know, take one of these? So that's where most people get their pets. 26% of dogs are purchased from breeders. 20 to 30% of cats and dogs are adopted from shelters and rescue groups, and about 10% are purchased from pet shops. So mm-hmm. it really is, it, the, the puppy mill industry continues, although it's, it's seeing a decline, it continues to be a, a really huge source of a lot of the pets that do end up in shelters or take homes away from pets that are already waiting in shelters. And th- there are over a million dogs that are currently in puppy mills producing, um, you know, about 4 million puppies a year. So that's still a huge, you know, it, it's, it is actually an industry. It's a huge um, source of where a lot of these animals are coming from. Yeah, and even though I would, I would never buy an animal uh, as long as there's one in the shelter, 
That said, though, I do want to differentiate between a legitimate breeder who is interested in bringing out the best traits of a dog versus a puppy mill. I think it's important to, you know, when we talk about buying an animal, I think as long as there's one animal in the shelter, we should make sure that animal finds a home. And yet the puppy mills sometimes are borderline criminalistic institution that, that sell animals with no rights. Can you, can you shed light on that, the rights situation? Absolutely. The, basically, when you think, you know, these, these puppies are coming out of the puppy mills and are being shipped to pet stores all over the country. Most of the puppy mills are in the Midwest, uh, these, you know, com- these huge commercial breeding operations. And what people often don't think of are the lives of the parent dogs. You know, they're, they basically live in cages for their entire lives. They don't get to play on grass. They don't get to play with toys. They just don't have the life of a, of a dog. Yes. And so what we encourage, we, we definitely recognize that there are responsible breeders out there. There are people who, you know, make no money breeding their dogs. They invest all of it in making sure that they're genetically sound and that they have, you know, that they're actually improving the breed. And those people, those are not the people you're going to run across when you go to buy a puppy and look at the online classifieds. Those people are breeding championship, you know, champion dogs and are very, very careful to, you know, breed their dogs very infrequently. And they often have years of people of a waiting list waiting for those, those puppies. So mm-hmm. that is definitely a, a different category. But what most people, if you just Google, you know, Yorkie puppy, Salt Lake City, um, what's going to come up are, you know, these online retailers that are actually just uh, an extension of the, the puppy mill and pet shop industry. So, you know, we, we of course, encourage people to avoid, you know, using their dollars to support an industry that's that's causing that kind of cruelty and keeping pets in inhumane conditions. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I was just wondering, uh, with all this great work you're doing, is there also any legislation being, you know, brought forth for to actually maybe do something about the conditions that animals are in right now? Interestingly, Missouri is the the puppy mill capital of the world. <laughs> Everybody recognizes that the most puppy mills are located in Missouri. And they actually passed, uh, the, the people passed legislation that required really strict standards for the puppy mills. They could only have a certain number of, do- certain number of dogs. Some of these commercial breeding operations have more than a thousand parent dogs. And um, so they limited the number of dogs they could have. They limited the number of litters per year and that the females had to be a certain age before they could be bred and really did a lot of things that would make a difference in the in the care of these animals. And in the next, uh, it, it was overturned, basically, the, the legislature passed something that undid all of what the people of Missouri had voted on. And so they, they're back to, to square one with that. So there are, these are mostly USDA licensed breeders, um, but the, the USDA themselves admit that they aren't able to really oversee that many you know, thousands of commercial breeders. And so a lot of things slip through the cracks. And even sure. when places get inspected, they write up what they need to change, but then it's years before they go back and see if anything has changed. So, you know, the, the bottom line is as we make good, you know, socially responsible choices, choosing, you know, we, we have the ability to kind of dry up that supply and demand cycle by not buying from pet stores and online retailers. 
And that way, the, the businesses will go the way of, of any industry that sure. evolves to, into a different, if it's not supported. different yes. direction. What's really illuminating to me is the parallels I'm seeing behind these commercial breeding operations and factory farming. Uh, absolutely. In fact, there was national legislation, and I'm not sure exactly what happened with this. I imagine it didn't pass or I probably would have heard more about it, but there was something proposed last year that actually kind of lumped them together. And it, there are a lot of parallels and, you know, it's it's a different outcome of the animals, but the way that they're housed and treated as a, you know, it is a factory, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're treated as if they're just a creating product. a product. Yes. That's Tema Martin, public creation specialist for Best Friends Animal Society, the largest shelter, animal shelter in the United States on 3,700 acres, who's joining us today from Kebab, Utah. That's bestfriends.org is the website if you want to support Tema's fantastic work. Tema, stay with us. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic today is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. The Farmer Veteran Coalition is a nonprofit organization dedicated to provide veterans with resources, education, and technical assistance to prepare them to become successful farmers. After serving their country, many veterans are interested in working with the land but do not have a background in farming or ranching. Help the Farmer Veteran Coalition to assist veterans in starting a new career in sustainable agriculture. For more information, please visit farmvetco.org. That's farmvetco.org. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com.
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic on today's show is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. And with us is Tema Martin, who's joining us actually from Salt Lake City. She's the public relations specialist of Best Friends Animal Society, um, the largest animal sanctuary in the United States with 3,700 acres providing a temporary home often, hopefully, otherwise a real home for many, many different species. First and foremost, cats and dogs. And Tema, before the break, we talked about puppy mills and the industry and the business of factory farming, in this case, companion animals. Can you talk about why adopt rather than buy? Absolutely. You know, adoption really fits perfectly into this, the growing trend of making socially responsible choices, especially, you know, as the holidays are approaching. People are more conscious of avoiding environmentally harmful products or companies. They're looking to buy local or spend money in ways that will, you know, help a cause. So adopting really fits very nicely into that concept. So we encourage people to adopt from a shelter because they're literally giving the precious gift of life to a homeless pet. And even if you adopt from a no-kill group where animals aren't facing euthanasia, as soon as you adopt, that pulls an animal out of their system and leaves a cage space or a foster home space for them to go to a traditional kill shelter and pull out another animal. So any way that you adopt, you are helping with this, this issue. And very few people will ever who have adopted a pet will ever argue that pet... Adopted pets really have a way of repaying their people for giving them that second chance at life. And I've, I've heard stories of people who have, you know, bought an expensive dog from a breeder and spent a lot of money in, in one case treating a dog for the, the dog for Parvo after buying it from the breeder, spent thousands of dollars on it. And then this woman adopted a shelter dog and the shelter dog was so wonderful that she actually came to me and said, can I give you my other dog? I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. You get to keep both of them. But people really, I've just heard over and over again that adopted shelter pets or rescue pets really do repay their people for having a second chance at life. Another thing to consider is that shelter staff are very trained and motivated by, they want to find a forever home for the animal. They want to find a perfect fit. So they're not in it to make money. They really are looking to make the best match between the person and the pet and see that that pet gets a permanent home. So they're usually very good at giving advice and helping, you know, they know the pet's personalities, they know a lot about different breeds, and they they want to, you know, do an adoption that's going to last a lifetime. And finally, in most cases, and, and adoption processes and fees vary from group to group, but in most cases, the adoption fee that you pay when you get a pet covers the spay-neuter surgery, often a health exam, vaccinations, a microchip, and, you know, a lot of times food and collars and even a toy sometimes, a a nice little starter package to get you off on Mm -hmm. the right path to responsible pet parenthood. Or the first year of vet care or something. I've seen so Uh many new interesting, you know, services that are being offered. We want to hear about how to do it right. I know you, in your experience, having been in this job for many, many, many years, have seen it all. And um, I wonder if there's like a set of 10 questions that, that people need to consider and really look at and contemplate before they 
get into the world of companion animals and pet adoption. And um, we'll come back to that question with us as Tema Martin, public relations specialist, Best Friends Animal Society, the largest animal sanctuary in the United States, on our show today as we are talking about pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. But first, here's the weekly update of what's going on in the world of produce. Mark, what's in season? And today we're talking about sweet potatoes, or is it yams, or is it, I'm not sure. So <laughs> that's why I called my good friend Earl Herrick from the, the voice of the produce market from Earl's Organic in San Francisco. Earl, what are we talking about, sweet potatoes or yams? Hey, today? Earl. Hey! Hi! <laughs> we are great. Happy holidays. Hey. Happy holidays, indeed. Yeah, we're just days away, days away, and yeah, that's a good conundrum. Uh, yam, sweet potato, it, it, it almost depends where you live. You know, in, in a general sense, most of us understand if it's orange, it's a yam. If it's white, it's a sweet potato. But the fact is, what we call a yam is not a sweet potato. They're not of the same family. But um, circumstances in the U.S. government decided to label sweet potatoes by color to make things easier. Well, I don't know if that happened. So the creamy white ones are labeled sweet potato, and the orange ones are labeled yams. But the fact is, yams are grown mostly in Africa. 95% of the world's crop is grown in Africa, and it's a major primary crop in, in Africa and, and used throughout the world, mostly exclusive of the United States. But we have the sweet potato, which originated in the Caribbean and Central America. And so that's what we have. We have sweet potatoes. Okay, so when I go into the store, how do I tell the difference? (laughs) Well, uh, pretty much the stores are going to label them how they label them. Some of them are going to say yams and sweet potatoes. And generally what stores are going to label yams will be the the orange or red flesh and 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 sweet potatoes, the creamy or the white ones. Okay, and so what kind of varieties? um, When people are looking at names, what what would people see as a name on those? Yeah, the four the four main names, and even these can have several names. The um, the the orange and the red ones are going to be called garnets and and reds. The orange, so that's a that's a kind of a red, darker skin with an orange flesh. An orange orange skin with an orange flesh is going to be called a Beauregard or a jewel. Mm-hmm. And then uh-huh. you have a a tan skin with a cream flesh, and that's called a jersey or a Hannah. Uh huh. And then you have a beautiful red skin with a white flesh, and that's called a Japanese. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so what I did a couple of days ago, I taste-tested all four of these, and I baked them all at 400 degrees and tasted them without any butter and made, well, Earl's Notes. You may have heard of Cliff <laughs> Notes. These are Earl's Notes. <laughs> and and what, we're gonna, what I'm going to start with is, is the... Um, is the white flesh ones. And the first one is called the Japanese Sweet. And it is a, it's probably one of the prettiest. It's got a beautiful deep red, almost wine color skin, and the flesh is white. And as you eat it, it's got, from my experience, it was, it was creamy with a little bit of perfume and flour. It was very, very floral, and it had an intense sweetness. Okay. So that was that dark red Japanese Sweet. Okay. And then I went to the other white one, which is called a Hannah, and that's kind of light tan 
kind of creamy color exterior, and the in, inside is more white and creamy, a little creamier than white. And that one is kind of potato-like. It's kind of mild and dry. And for me, that was a, a real an awakening because I love potatoes, and I had somehow gotten away from this. And so that was a great uh, eye-opener for me. So kind of potato-like and mild and dry. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the, the deeper color, yam types, if you will, but they're still sweet potatoes. And the, I tried what I always felt was my favorite, which was a garnet, which is considered a garnet. It's got a red, kind of a deep red skin, but not as deep as that purple one. And inside, it's got a nice deep orange. Now, this one, has, it's, it's, it's more substantial. It's, it's got more going on. It's, it's smooth and moist and fluffy. It's, it's kind of deeper in flavor. Well, it's the number and one I seller, too. One. Interesting. It's the number one seller in the country. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And then I tried the Jewel. And that one is the light orange with a, with a light, a little lighter color uh, uh, flesh. And that one also, I felt, had a lot of uh, aromatic, creamy, moist. But it was also a little, had a little more texture, almost stringy. Oh, interesting. Sweet. So which, what was your favorite? The Hannah? So... Honestly, that last one, the Jewel, okay. Oh, huh. um, I, I got reintroduced to that one because that had the the orange flavor that I like, but it also had this wonderful perfumey spiciness to it. And uh, though the little stringy thing was going on, but I know if I had some butter with there and mashed it up with my fork, it's going to be perfect. Oh, that's awesome. And right. are we usually talking mashing it up like a you know side dish, or are we talking roasted, or well, Sita, what would you... Well, I do mine a little bit different, and it's interesting that you said with the Japanese, you got an intense sweetness, because I've usually purchased Japanese because I found them to be milder in sweetness, than the jewel yeah. and the garnet. And maybe that was because it was labeled incorrectly. But I find, at least in sure. my experience, that the Hana and the Japanese hold their texture better than the garnet and the jewel do. So I will cut those and maybe toss them with a spice right. mixture and roast them. But if I'm going to do like a cinnamon chili sweet potato puree, like the one we talked about in the baby show, then I will use mm. a garnet or a jewel. Yes, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're right. I see that now. You know, the the white ones tend to hold up, the, like you said, a little more dense, a little more potato-like. Structure. The ones are a little more creamy and smooth. And they're wow. great for stews yeah. because they do hold their, their the shape. world of sweet potatoes and yams. And so just real quickly, Earl, because we're, we're almost at the end of our Watson season, can you tell us what kind of year it is? Is it a good year for oh, yams? Is yeah. it a good price? Well, first of all, the season, generally, everything gets harvested in, in October, and you have to cure a yam because the skin is very fragile. So they, they cure them for a week to 10 days, and, and then they pull them out of storage. And what's so beautiful about that is that that's how we can enjoy them all year because they're stored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're available all year round because of that storage. And the pricing this year has been a great year. The, there's been enough water that irrigation wasn't needed. Uh, the, the temperatures were great. And I, you know, generally they're graded in the three grades. We got a number one, an, uh, a, a choice, and a jumbo. I like the choice, which tend to be a little smaller, and some people think they're actually sweeter, mm. and they're the best price. Mm-hmm. Great, That's great. great cool. to know. Thank so, you, yeah. Earl. Thanks for doing all the taste testing and sharing <laughs> with us the benefits. And not, not sharing without <laughs> the actual sweet potato, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> and and, and uh, one, one other 
thing. If you go to Earl's Organic website, uh, I got that information and some pictures of the um, of actually that night oh, how of, great. Of, uh, of the potatoes just before I cooked them. Oh, fantastic. Definitely. Great. Thank you. Great. And for our, li- for our listeners, if you're looking for information on how to store and cook and uh, the best ways to keep them and, and, um, and buy them at the store, then go to uh, the Facebook page next week, and I will have my blog to give you all that information. Facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. That's right. Yeah, I always you go. <laughs> <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> um, great. Well, Thank you, Earl. Thanks, Earl. Fantastic. So Happy great. holidays. You're welcome. Have a, have a great holiday. You yes, too. You too. We'll see you next week. Bye. So fun. What's in season? Thank you for that, Mark and Earl. We're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And our topic today is pet adoption from homelessness to happiness. Our guest today calling in from Salt Lake City is Tema Martin, who is the public relations specialist for the Best Friends Animal Society, the largest animal sanctuary in the country. That website is bestfriends.org. And before we dive back into that interview, we will hear about how to do it right. If you are considering adopting a pet or you know somebody who is considering adopting a pet for the holidays right now, stay tuned. We will be right back with more. Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. The Farmer Veteran Coalition is a nonprofit organization dedicated to provide veterans with resources, education, and technical assistance to prepare them to become successful farmers. After serving their country, many veterans are interested in working with the land but do not have a background in farming or ranching. Help the Farmer Veteran Coalition to assist veterans in starting a new career in sustainable agriculture. For more information, please visit farmvetco.org. That's farmvetco.org.
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic on today's show is pet adoption, from homelessness to happiness. We have Tema Martin with us from Salt Lake City, who's the public relations specialist for the Best Friends Animal Society in Utah, the largest animal shelter and animal sanctuary in the United States. That website is bestfriends.org. Yes, Tema, um, we were talking actually at the very beginning of the show, I told a story about some friends who got engaged and when he proposed, he gifted a puppy as part of the proposal and it worked out really great. But I know that there are some some caution around gifting pets and because it is getting to be the holiday season, I was wondering if you could give us some insight on how to do that correctly and kind of what are your do's, don'ts and how's of bringing an adopted animal into your home? Sure. Well, actually, adopting a pet for a special occasion, like a birthday or holiday, can work if it's done right. And really, the the key is that the responsible adult parties that are involved need to be part of the decision, including if you're getting a pet, what kind of pet to get, and and when to bring it into the family. So the biggest problem is when it's done as a surprise. It's never a good idea for an adult to surprise another adult or another family with a living gift. And when you think about after the holidays, the number of people that hit the stores trying to return things that they didn't like or, you know, people that are hiding their gifts in the back of the closet so as not to hurt anyone's feelings, you're talking a, a, a pet is going to need daily attention for 10 to 15 years and you obviously can't stick it in the back of the closet. And so it's one of the most personal choices anyone is going to make with years of care needed for that pet. So it's really important that the person who's going to care for the animal be involved in the decision. Even if you know what breed of dog somebody's looking for, even individual puppies and dogs have different personalities. So it's best that they make that, jo- that choice themselves. Now, a good way to do a surprise if you want to, to do that, if you know somebody who's looking for a pet, is to purchase an adoption gift certificate to a shelter or rescue group and then give them a cute basket of some of the items that they might need to care for the mm. pet for the holiday. So they get the mm. adoption gift certificate, maybe a stuffed animal, and then some you know brushes and toys and treats and the things that go with it. And then they can actually go at a time that's convenient for them to pick the best pet that fits their lifestyle. And when, when we talk about adoption, um, I mentioned the top 10 list, and you said during the break that you know, there's no real top 10 list, but what are the most important critical things to consider and look at and hold? Sure. Well, one of the things is you definitely want to be sure you have enough time to commit to a pet. Cats are obviously much lower maintenance than dogs. They don't need as much exercise or, or playtime as dogs do, but you want to be sure that you're prepared that way. Pets can be very expensive, you know, not just food and veterinary care, but, you know, sometimes you find a pet has allergies and they need a specific kind of food that's expensive, or you just have to be prepared financially and be prepared to commit for that That. 15 to 20 years that a pet could live. So you're, you're making a very long-term choice and you want to be able to, you know, ensure that you do that right. Make sure that your living arrangements are going to work. Uh, it's not necessarily true that a big dog can't live in a small space. Some dogs are lower energy than others. So you could have a lab in an apartment if you take them for daily walks and, and give them some outside playtime. And one very important thing that often doesn't work out for people is to realize that if you have children in the home, you do have to make your choice very carefully. 
there are certain types of dogs that are less patient with the, the clumsy handling of young children. And small breed dogs and puppies just tend not to do well where they, with the handling that a child can provide sometimes inadvertently, you know, they try to hug a dog too hard and, and puppies have sharp teeth and sharp claws and, and small breed dogs can be broken easily because they're, you know, fine boned. So that can result in either the, the dog or the child being hurt. So you really want to do your homework before you make a choice. Cats don't vary as much in, in size and their personalities tend to be more just individual versus based on breed, but when you're choosing a breed of dog, you have to consider, or a mix of, of a breed, choose, you know, consider the size, the activity level, the hair length, the temperament, how they tend to get along with other dogs and other people, and, you know, there's a lot of information available online to help people make a good choice, because you really want to make this choice once and have it be a positive experience for the next couple decades. Yeah, and landlord, you mentioned the apartment. If you own your place, great. But if you know you might need to relocate, in my own experience, uh, finding an apartment that allows dogs is definitely harder than without. And owning your place helps, of course, or knowing that you know, you're pretty set where you are and your landlord allows it. Mm -hmm. And that can be expensive, too, because some places that allow it have a, a very high pet deposit. Pet deposit. So it's yes. good to do all those things before you start looking for... A new pet. Yes. When we talked with you, uh, being a guest on the show, we looked at the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, your workplace, and your initiatives. You have a pit bull initiative and a sleepover program. And we want to talk with you about how people can get involved beyond adopting a pet. Now for the holidays, we had a great show on volunteering, and we said, you know, do what you love. If you can, you know, from from really what people can do in Utah, if they want to get directly involved with your shelter or the bigger vision for the United States of what all shelters are trying to achieve basically to be out of business, to not have any animal that doesn't have a home. We'll real quick break for Sita because it's time for the holistic bite. Here's our very own chef Sita, Sita Rani Palomar with her holistic bite. Thank you, Helga. Well, today I wanted to talk about animal protection, but in an unseen way. I mean, we are a, a society where we make a lot of consumer choices and we purchase a lot of products. And when we see the animal, we are thinking about animal welfare. But sometimes animals are involved in the production of a product that we don't even know about. And so I, I want to invite people to start considering the ingredient lists and the processes of how your products are made. I think that We talk a lot on the show about animal ingredients and cosmetics, but there are all kinds of things. Like you may find animal testing in your household cleaning products, car care and furniture products, laundry and eye care and fragrance and even baby care. So there are a couple really great companies that you can look to to find products that do not test on animals and do not use animal products. And when it gets to the conversation about animal testing, I know that it can be a controversial one, but there are so many product options out there that do not do some testing. So if you're looking for, like I said, body care, hair care, cosmetics, household care, baby care, take a look at some websites like PETA, P-E-T-A dot org. They have a living section that has by category and by brand. And also another company called Leaping Bunny. Their website is leapingbunny.org. <laughs> I know it's sweet. And they, and they have labels that actually have little bunnies on them. One is a bunny that's being pet by hand and the other one is a bunny that's leaping. And if you see these logos 
on a product, that means this product has not been tested on animals. So visit those websites for resources, PETA.org and LeapingBunny.org, to find products that have the same level of animal welfare commitment that you honor in your pet life, too. Thank you, Sita. That was the Holistic Bite for this week. And with us still is Tema Martin. And Tema, let's shed light on Best Friends Animal Society. You are the public relations specialist. You have done a wonderful job in this hour to really look, help us look at pet adoption from homelessness to happiness, our topic this week. You have some very, very creative and sweet and important initiatives, a Pitbull initiative, your sleepover program. What do you offer exactly? What um, you know? How can people get involved? Can anyone volunteer right now? It's the holidays. We just had a show on volunteering. And how can people that are not in Utah support their shelter? What If you have some quick tips of what you need, what you've learned that you need the most. We get about 30,000 visitors each year at our sanctuary. We're, we welcome people from all over the country, in fact, all over the world. People can come and spend a few hours, a few days, weeks. Some people quit their jobs and move there forever. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> so that's definitely an option to come help at the sanctuary. From wherever you are, you can look, look up our initiatives on our website, bestfriends.org. Um, we are trying to help end discrimination against pit bull type dogs. We're trying to end puppy mills and we're trying to help cats, um, especially free roaming community cats that are not owned. Um, We're trying to prevent them from entering shelters. So we have these initiatives that are all ultimately part of our mission to bring about a day when there are no more homeless pets. And those are some of the biggest um, issues that we are facing. And so those are the things that we're trying to tackle. People can learn more about those initiatives on our website. And if you are not close by and can't make a trip to southern Utah, certainly part of the big picture is always to help other shelters in other areas also achieve the same thing that we're trying to achieve. So we encourage people to go and volunteer at their local shelters, uh, find a pet to adopt, and um, have their own pets spayed and neutered if they haven't done that. There are, in almost every area of the country, there are low-cost or free spay-neuter programs to help people get that done for very little or no money. And go to PetFinder.com, and that is a website that has pictures and descriptions of pets from all different shelters and rescue groups across the country. You can put in your zip code. It starts locally and then spans out. If you're looking for a very obscure purebred dog, some rescue group probably somewhere in the country has what you're looking for. So whatever yes. it is, you can find it to adopt. Great. Um, and and be educated on this topic um, so that, you know, if it comes up in a conversation at a party, you know what to say. Hopefully people have listened to the show. So much great information, Tema. Thank you for all your work. Is there seasonality in, in the volunteering that you like before the holidays or after? Do you get more or is it, or is it really a year-round people need? People probably do tend to volunteer more around the holidays because they have time off work. They're looking for something charitable to do. A lot of people agree to give volunteering as a gift to someone else. They they say, I'm instead of a gift, let's exchange time You know, at a community organization right. or an animal shelter. So. But do you see more need on your end where you, you say, you know, January is always the busiest month for us, or is it year-round? Um, it's year-round. And, you know, you mentioned the sleepover program. If people do come to the sanctuary to volunteer when they go to their hotel or cabin at night, wherever they're staying, the sleepover program allows them to take a sanctuary animal 
and have a sleepover um, and give that pet a break from <laughs> the sanctuary. I and, love that. And then they can come back with all the information about that pet that we didn't know. You know, it sure. likes to sleep on the bed. It's very cuddly, you know, and that helps the pets to get adopted. Or which movie it likes to watch. Yeah. That's bestfriends.org. Um, take a look. Best Friends Animal Society, bestfriends.org. That's Tema Martin, the public relations specialist. Tema, thanks so much for joining us today. Wonderful to have you. Thanks so much for having Enjoy. me. It was a lot of fun. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, happy Tema. Holidays. And happy holidays. Thanks. Happy holidays to you. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye.